Welcome to the angry sun zone. The sun's not angry today. It's it's actually pretty dark outside, to be honest, because it's no longer daytime. Yep, it is... What is that? 10.47 p.m. Friday, April the 9th. Oh, now, okay. See, now they're going to know how long it took us to, to upload this thing. <laughs> right. Five, five months later. Oh, yeah. Hey, guys. It's December. <laughs> Without further ado, let's introduce ourselves. <laughs> So we got here Santo Talarico. Hey, how you doing, Internet? And Alex Fraser. What's up? And myself, Sean Hertig. Yeah, we we figured might as well start a podcast. Seems like a lot of people are doing that these days. So uh, without further ado, welcome to the Angry Sun Zone. Oh dear God! <laughs> no, no, no! See, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do that on the table. For the table, not the little like double ottoman we have in front of us. Listen, it has games in it. That's fair. And speaking that's of fair. games, that's what we're gonna talk about today. I love it. Excellent. So, yeah, we all play have played games throughout our entire lives, and. We like them a whole hell of a lot. We also love talking about them. So, that's kind of the impetus for this whole thing. And We also love reading about them for you nerds that are reading the transcription that we're totally not making. Oh my god. No, we could... There's, there's AI things to put audio into that'll create transcriptions of your podcast i am 100 percent in favor of ai transcription if only for the amazing uh screw ups. transcription errors <laughs> i was just trying to think there's no slang for that yet that i know of i'm i'm in for it for the uh the mashups that come from it oh just like searching through and finding the timestamps of specific words that people say so you can do really horrible stuff with them. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> Love it. The future is here, guys. Yeah, the future is here, and uh, you're gonna do it to our podcast, apparently. So yeah, as Santa was saying, we love games. We love talking about them, and yeah, we're here to share that today. And so uh, we're just kind of gonna go over a, a bit of our history with. Um, you know, what we grew up with, what we like, what we've been playing lately, and just sort of yeah. shoot the shit. Yeah, just kind of give you an idea of where where all of, all of our backgrounds and likes and dislikes come from, because we don't necessarily all like the same types of games. I think we've got kind of a good variation of what we like and what we play between us. Which yep. rears its ugly head whenever we try to play anything multiplayer. <laughs> so. Well. Alright. So, the first game I ever played was Commander Keen. Oh, man. Nice. And uh, I had to put together the computer in order to be able to play it and get it working. So, uh, my, uh, my story of gaming starts with utter frustration 
and ends with the pure joy of uh, being able to uh, enjoy gaming. So my early games were ones uh, were the strategy genre games like Command and Conquer. Uh, it's definitely my jam. Um, and as well, I've played not just on the PC but also a lot of console gaming. Uh, I was uh, given a Game Boy Color, and so uh, many Nintendo games um, have been in my repertoire. And since then, I've been unexpectedly a Nintendo fanboy, going all the way up from Game Boy Color to N64 to GameCube, uh, all along Nintendo's timeline today where I've got a Nintendo Switch. I mean, I, I just have to say, like, if there's anyone who ever wasn't a Nintendo fanboy, at least for a little while, it's like, I'm sorry, you had a bad childhood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I think we'll get we'll get there, but I don't understand Sega Kids, man. True, true. Okay, I, I, I love the Sega Genesis. The Sega Genesis was the shit, but I also had a Super Nintendo, because... You just can't. You just can't miss out on that golden age of 2D gaming. Mm -hmm. uh, very true. Very true. Uh, what I play a lot these days, uh, I play um, games like Apex Legends, Magic the Gathering Arena, and whatever indie roguelike is the latest uh, thing to keep me up till 4 a.m. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's been Noida the this week. Yes. Uh, so the latest game, Noida, is available on Steam, and uh, it is a uh, addictive drug for those who like staying up far too late playing roguelikes. It's got that sandbox particle physics, two D side scrolling. It's like if Terraria and that that powder game that you played uh, on in a web browser, had a kid, and uh, it grew up to be a terrible monster that eats all your time. Yeah. So, basically, I think what truly defines me as a gamer is that if there's some sort of gameplay mechanic that I can uh, abuse, um, <laughs> I'm going to find it and abuse the ever-living god smack out of it until uh i think me, me and alex can both verify that yeah we all we all love playing multiplayer games with sean i yep. should mention <laughs> speaking of multiplayer we can all relate that we play smash brothers a lot from the beginning and uh we find yep. our selves uh definitely beating each other up to death on that game a lot yeah it's a good time yeah smash i think smash is Smash has to be the game that we've gotten the most in common in, all three of us. Mm, yeah. Like, there's plenty of games that I know, like, me and Alex have played a bunch, or me and Sean have played a bunch, or, like, Alex and Sean have played a bunch, but that, that Smash is truly, like, the one thing that has united us. And we, we've played a bunch, like, no items, we played a bunch with items, like, played, like, a bunch of, you know adventure mode and like subspace emissary and brawl and stuff like that together yeah. oh and that weird that weird ass ds mode where you're going smash through, run uh, yeah, yeah smash run smash run was actually um, uh, it was actually good it was really good it was pretty sick uh, i was so sad Al although i get why it was only on the ds version because it would be pretty awkward to put it would be it wouldn't be as smooth i think with the tv 
but just such a cool game mode. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And we made, I think, a custom mode or two. I seem to remember Capture the Flag being a thing. Oh, and then... Uh, Wait, the... Capture the Flag and Smash? Yeah. You made a lot of really dumb mm. maps in the yeah, map maker, yeah. so I, 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 I can believe that. Yep. So <laughs> that's, I don't remember that one. That's my preferences and history in a nutshell. I'm sure we'll dive into it more over time, but uh, I'll turn over the leaf to you guys. All right, I, I can go next. So, my childhood... I think something that I'll have to mention here is that I had... I had a couple of older brothers, so that definitely like influenced what games I would be playing, uh, because obviously being the youngest, I generally didn't have the choice when it came to what game are we all going to get. Yeah, so uh, one of my earliest my earliest gaming memories are from the original Nintendo and Super Nintendo, like playing Mario games, Mario Kart. Uh, Faxanadu, which I I want to get into talking about that game at a later date because Jesus Christ that game, uh, and yeah. But one of my earliest gaming memories though was me and my brothers. We we wanted to get a PlayStation, but we realized that you know that's a new console. Like that's going to be expensive, right? So what we did was we all decided to. All in the same year, ask Santa for a PlayStation. So our parents would have no choice but to, you know, if we only gave them one option, of so course we're get, that's that's the option that's going to happen. Team right? strats, exactly. okay? Like you're listening to this podcast for sick team strats. <laughs> yeah, but and funnily enough, I was the only one in their letter to ask for a game. <laughs> Neither of my brothers asked for a game. I'm I'm sure that if I didn't ask for a game, we would have gotten that thing on Christmas morning with nothing to play in it. Because my parents did not understand video games at all, and heavily resent the fact that I played so much of them as a youth. So I asked for Lego Racers, and that game is oh, sick as hell. Lego Racers was yes. great. Yeah, I, I I still I I remember quite well. There was one stage with a, it was this, this cave stage. And it just had mm-hmm. the most bumping track music, like <laughs> as you're driving around in this cave. Oh, we're gonna talk about game music one of these days. Yeah, and you could build your own car. What's not to love? Yeah, and the power ups were well done. Yeah, very much so. So that I spent a lot of time playing that, and so I kind of I got introduced to a lot of games on the PlayStation. That really, like, molded what I like. Because I am a JRPG nerd. I I have a really bad habit of acquiring JRPGs and not playing them. Because those games are way too goddamn long in the, for my lifestyle these days. But they, they, all, they all hold a, a, huge, a huge soft spot in my heart for, the, for those kind of games. And, yeah, from there... From there, um, like, my family, we kind of owned most consoles from then on out, like the PS2 era, the Wii, and 360 era, uh, PS4, and Xbox One era, like, 
we generally did have all the consoles because, you know, enough exclusives on each platform that I wanted to play, and enough ways to scrounge up the money to get those consoles to play them. Uh, yeah, or borrow it from your brother or something. Yeah, like, I, ne- I never played the Xbox One that we had, but that was my brother's and whatever. Um, but, yeah, these days, I'm not playing as many games as I wish, which this podcast hopefully will, you know, reignite some sparks for that, but uh, I play way too much Magic the Gathering, but I'm... <laughs> We're gonna try to focus way too this much. Way too That's much. funny. I, it's true. It's world class. I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah. I yes, I I have pro points. You're, 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 you're in the you're in the, the presence of a literal like world class tournament winner. A professional magician. Professional ma- a profe- <laughs> professional magician. That's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, but read it parties. Yeah. Hopefully we'll keep this podcast a little bit more video game centric than than that. It's all about gaming. <laughs> we all know everyone's first game was Peekaboo. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Um, but I've also also been playing like some multiplayer games with you guys, like Risk of Rain 2. And just... I've been... Lately I've been jumping into games and for a little bit and not necessarily like playing them to completion. So I've you know dabbled with a bunch of different things that well, hopefully when I play more of we'll talk about uh, at a future time. But yeah, that's about it for me, um, Alex. Nice. Floor is yours. Yeah, I'm just gonna cap this cap this little round off. Um, yeah. So building on some of my early gaming memories, you know, the first game that I remember really playing. Uh, was uh, Bomberman, and specifically Bomberman on a console called the Turbo Graphics. Hell yes, yeah. I was hoping oh, you wow. this up. Yeah, the Turbo Graphics was uh, from what I remember the first console that we had in my family. Um, it's not as well known because it, it was. Um, I mean, it's a bit older, uh, and then also it didn't sell well, and. It, it, commercially, I I think it was a bit of a failure. Yeah, y- yeah, and so the turbograph, so the turbo graphics, it was not a uh, necessarily a very popular console, but technically it was ahead of its time. Oh yeah, it was way ahead of its time. Uh, incredibly, so the Nintendo Switch is probably the first home console that popularly has been able to switch between playing the same game on your TV or on the go. The TurboGrafx did it back in, like, uh, early 90s. Early 90s. I can't remember the exact dates here, but... um, Which, at this point, is 30 30 years ago-ish. So, uh, it, it was way ahead of its time. Yeah, like... I hadn't ever even heard of a Turbo Graphics until like a few years after I met you. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Up, like, what the fuck is that? So, yeah, the Turbo Graphics. Um, so we had Bomberman, and I just I loved Bomberman. It was such a fun game, and plus it was my dad's console, really. And he, 
you know, obviously chose the games. And it was like a kind of a game that, that the whole family could play because then you can have four people just kind of bombing, bombing each other, blowing each other up on the little stage. And it was very straightforward. Not like some of these later Bomberman games where they have like adventure modes and stuff like that. No, the original term, like the Turbo Graphics Bomberman was just like, you're on a map. It's a, it's a big square. There's blocks. Drop bombs. Blow each other up. Didn't get much more complicated than that. Um, I think, actually... I'm trying to remember. I think that you could actually have more than four players on the TurboGrafx-16, uh, which I suppose makes it more technically advanced uh, than the PS5. And uh... <laughs> Okay, hold on here. The, the Turbo, okay, the TurboGrafx, I believe, could go up to five. And I mean... The PS Five, like, I I think it still uses Bluetooth. That could has that can have up to seven inputs. It was it was a joke. Um, although I thought this was a serious podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it very much isn't. Uh, anyway, the uh, yeah, the Turbo Graphics was really cool. It had some other like cool games um, that were mostly actually I don't know. There was this really weird umbrella game. With par- like the characters have parasols, and I honestly barely even remember what I can't even remember what genre that game was. It was strange. <laughs> there was also this like pinball game that I remember had a super sick alien pinball. And when I say alien, I mean like the movie Alien, mm. um, like H.R. Geiger style. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Fucking uh, what, what was her? What was her name? Ripley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it had this this pinball, alien pinball, with, like, the alien ha- head, like, moves around and does cool animations and stuff when you score. And so that was pretty cool. Uh, and then, yeah, when I was uh, a bit older, I went through a lot of classic uh, NES games, SNES games, Genesis. Um, I-, I was really into platformers when I was younger played a lot i play i had pretty much all the sonic games for the genesis uh you know sonic 2 sonic 3 sonic and knuckles <laughs> sonic 3 and knuckles uh sonic pinball I'm which, about, i believe it was called sonic spinball oh uh, yes thank you very much sonic spinball <laughs> that's right that's right actually sonic spinball was it was it was tough as balls, actually. Yeah. It was a super hard game. It was really difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, some SNES games that I really loved, like Super Mario World, which I think even to this day, honestly, is my favorite Mario game. Just so tight. Such good controls. Such good music. So smooth. Classic classic game uh and then yeah going through just uh i i I was really uh i was really into the nintendo consoles especially after that so like uh, n64 i had that didn't have a playstation had a gamecube didn't have a playstation 2 (laughs) had a wii eventually bought a ps3 uh though I wasn't actually a big fan of uh, most of the PS3 games that people hyped up. I remember playing Uncharted, and I was 
the only thing that was uncharted is how uh how far my disappointment went <laughs> man that's rough ah, uncharted was fine it was it was fine like it, it it was all people had to cling to on the ps3 for a while it was fine and i like, think that was my problem is the, that i i came i i got a ps3 like out like a bit after launch mm-hmm. and, I, and i'd heard so many ps3 owners talk about uncharted and i'm like oh I'll try it out and i'm like this is a very generic action shooter that isn't it's kind of a platformer but not really <laughs> uh, i was yeah. expecting something more like prince of persia the sands of time but with guns and uh uh, by the way, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time is, is an amazing game. An amazing game. Uh, probably one of the it's it's up there, I think, for three D platformers. Uh, it's it's really good. I love the narrator. The narrator, <laughs> the <night>? friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but just so you know, for those of you who haven't played the game, every time you die, the prince is so the the context is that the prince is telling you a story like the game opens and the prince is recounting this like heroic tale right and he's the narrator and so every time you die the prince is like oh wait no no that's that's not how the story goes <laughs> that's not right that's i, I didn't right. fall down that pit because i failed to grab a ledge yeah unreliable then, narrator yeah super funny um but what if he did mess up all those times and he's just trying to save face when he's telling the story? <laughs> you can't... You don't know. You don't know. It's a big fish moment. Big fish. Uh, great movie. Um, yeah, and so... I guess uh, today... So I've always liked a lot of platformers and uh, and a lot of... I mean, all kinds of genres. Really into strategy games for a while. RTS, RTS games, lots of fun there. Command and Conquer, Civ for Civilization series <laughs> for turn based. Lord, Captain Storm. Lots of late nights. Uh, oh, just one more turn. Just one more turn. Just one more turn. One more turn. <laughs> one more turn. Gonna attack that archer. <laughs> archer on the city. There we go. Oh yeah, fifty foot tall archer. Uh, yeah. Um, nowadays, I'd say I really tend a lot more towards, like, just like the sort of indie games and, like, really kind of more uh, things that are kind of like you know trying to, you know, get a bit of a a bit more interesting game like core gameplay loop. Things I haven't like seen before especially uh i think i've played enough games that i i can easily like start picking up and playing a game and being like oh it's just like you know this other game you know mm-hmm. maybe with elements and i think this kind of goes a bit for all of us but um y- you know you immediately pick up a game and you're like oh it's like this game and this other game um or it's it's pretty much just this game uh but a lot of the time when that happens sometimes you're just thinking oh yeah, except this other game was way better, and the game that I'm currently playing actually kind of sucks. 
Might as well just go replay the game that it's ripping off. And I think that's 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 the biggest thing that like when I'm trying to find new games to play these days that I'm looking for is just something that's trying to do something interesting and push at the sort of uh, push it like what what's been done before basically yeah totally uh, and and that mostly tends to mean like weird experimental indie shit <laughs> oh man there's, like there's this um, there's this one game and this game is like a joke but I loved it uh, called Leg Breaker <laughs> that, that I was playing I love it already okay and so yeah, okay, okay and the, so the concept is it's a it's a it's a platformer it's a 2d sprite platformer right and there's only one catch and the catch is every time you jump one of your legs breaks now you only have two legs <laughs> so each level you can jump twice that's it that's all you get and so it's sort of a puzzle platformer where every level you get two jumps and and within the confines of that structure um you know the developer came up with some amusing kind of amusing rooms and i just love that you know it really kind of makes you think and and it's a it's a short game it's not anything big it's just something some small <laughs> some some small indie dev whipped up in their spare time probably uh but that's that's the kind of thing that's like standing out as most memorable in my mind these days is like stuff like that mm -hmm. you know or for something with a bit more of a higher production value that that i really loved that was not terribly old was subnautica um just because there actually haven't been that many underwater exploration games i i've I, yeah like there haven't been a lot of diving games really uh that were actually games <laughs> like i remember yeah. like there was this one game i think it was called ocean blue on the wii that at the time people were like oh you can dive the ocean and the problem is that it was less of a game and more of just like a a nice relaxing thing that you kind of move through which is fine but subnautica is that and also a game <laughs> yeah quite a fun one at that uh, nice. Anyway, yeah, so I think that kind of brings through uh, some of my gaming history some. Yeah. Actually, I forgot the most important I forgot the most important point. I chose to be a gamer, okay? When I was like 6, my parents came to me. Maybe I was older, I don't know. Anyway, I'm I'm 6 years old. And my parents are like, "Okay, for your birthday, you know, we can afford you one of these two options, right? We can either get you a Walkman or a Game Boy. Those are your options. Musician or gamer. I chose to become a gamer. <laughs> so, wow. A little bit like picking your Pokemon, eh? Oh, man. Pokemon? So, oh, man. Pokemon Red is the first game I ever bought for myself. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, like... I have a big Italian family, which meant that I had, you know, my parents, a couple brothers, us, 
a stepbrother, two stepsisters, like, seven aunts and uncles. So, like, one year, like, they just all gave me, like, 20 bucks, basically. <laughs> so, I had enough to get a Game Boy Color and Pokemon. And, like, this was, you know, right when fucking Pokemon hit and was the biggest goddamn thing in the world in this, in the entire world, pretty much. And so, we went to Toys R Us to just, like, get some stuff. And I wanted to get a Game Boy Color, and my parents were like, no, that's too expensive. You can't spend, like, all your money on that. And, God, I, I, I kind of want to look this up just to see how old I was. But I must have been, like, five or six. Like, pretty young. And I was just like, okay. And, and I was the end of that. Like, I didn't put up a fight or anything. I was just like, okay, that's fine. And we left without me getting anything. And then the next day, my mom comes up to me and hands me a Game Boy Color. Oh, no, sorry. I did end up buying Pokemon while I was there because I did have an original Game Boy. But the next day, my mom comes up to me and gives me a Game Boy Color and was like, yeah, went and bought this, you know, used your money. And, like, basically thought that I was, like, the fact that I didn't, like, fight or, like, cry or, like, do anything like that. So, like, oh, yeah, you you know, you were... Uh, we said no, and you said, okay, that's fine. And that was very mature of you, so I got the Game Boy Color anyways. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. your menu options have no Im significance <laughs> on the overall plot. <laughs> yeah, basically. Manipulating your parents by doing exactly as they ask. <laughs> Mind games. It's the moral choice system that has the same exact outcome, like most games. Uh, so, one thing that I did want to bring up, uh, you know, gonna date this a little bit, uh, is that there was some recent gaming news that I thought was like pretty interesting, and ha has definitely has some implications. So, Sony mm, implications, <laughs> delicious. Ew. So Sony, Sony's doing weird shit right now. It, it, it kind of feels like it was during the PS3 days where they had the, like, the biggest gaming console ever in the PS2, which is still the case. And then the PS3 hit, and then things just got weird. Because they had, they were so overconfident in what they did before that they put out this $600 monstrosity that was hell to program for, and somehow had, like, not as much usable RAM as the 360, I'm pretty sure. Which it was don't, already... Don't out. forget the, um, don't forget the, like, issues where, for a little while, it was sold out because cloud computing suppliers, like the military and research groups, were literally buying them all. Because... The cell processor, it, baby! Because although it was bad for gaming, it was somehow incredible at like, scientific computing. Yeah. Like, and, and I've heard a couple programmers talk about this, and they talked about the fact that the, PS, the PS3 was a math machine. It could perform so many goddamn operations really fast. If you, but you had to, the way to access that was hell. Like, you had to do a bunch of really difficult stuff and architect your game in a very specific way to really take advantage of that. Guess what you can't do when you're doing that? Make a game multi-platform. Mm. Uh, especially, you know, 
considering its contemporaries were the Xbox 360, which had already been out for a year or half a year or however long that was in the Wii, which had no power behind which, it. And was also just like kind of a souped up GameCube, so everybody already knew how to program for it. Too. Yeah. Well, I don't, I'm not too sure about that. I have to look into it. I, I remember hearing that the GameCube was a little bit odd to program for, because I think it had like oh, a secondary that, CPU in it that was weird. Yeah, I just mean in the sense that if it had a... Uh, just in the sense that if you were releasing multi-platform games in the previous generation, you'd sort of be in a better position since you presumably already understand the GameCube. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But to get back to my point... Um, yeah, so Sony made a lot of weird decisions with the PS3, and it feels like uh, they got the shit together for the PS4, PS4 did really fucking well, and now they're doing a bunch of weird shit again. Uh, I mean, if we work backwards, I, I feel like they did weird shit with the PS1, too. Well, they had so much to prove with the PS1, and they were able to do so successfully, because it's still so crazy to me that 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 the PS1, like, it succeeded when so many other disc systems failed. So yeah. many others. The 3DO, the CDI, those all... The Sega CD, those all bombed. The Saturn also did yeah, not do Saturn. well. I forgot about the Saturn. I think Nintendo briefly tried to do that with the N64, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah, the N64 disc drive, which was only ever released in Japan. Yeah. Well, no, we could have, like, an entire mini-series based on weird shit that was only released in Japan. Like, weird weird console peripherals and shit. There's so many of them. But, alright, let's move this back around. Because, so, Sony is, discon- is quote-unquote, discontinuing the digital stores on the PS3, PSP, and Vita uh, this summer. Like, I think the PS3 and PSP are end of June or July and the Vita goes away end of August you're, you're still you're still going to be able to download your purchases that you've made but you won't be able to make any new purchases and so it, it makes sense in one way in that they probably have some infrastructure tied to those consoles that is f- making their current stuff a mess because trust me it is a mess right now and who the fuck is buying shit on the PSP these days? <laughs> I mean, the PSP is so easily easily piratable right now, so easily hackable, and who even owns a Vita? <laughs> uh, but here's the thing: that's like I said earlier. I buy too many JRPGs, so this set off red flags. <laughs> like, oh shit, these like Japanese centric consoles with all these Japanese centric games that I am super interested in that you know didn't really come to Xbox and there's been a pretty spotty track record of them coming to PC though that is actually changing these days Japanese developers have started releasing a bunch of stuff on PC which is very useful so I was just like okay I gotta sit down and go through the store and like alright what looks interesting? You heard it. You heard it here, guys. Like it, it's time to FOMO in on the PSP JRPG store scene. All right. Uh, well, I don't actually own a PSP or a Vita, so this is just the PS3, the PS Triple. 
but like I mean yeah <laughs> and going through it I realized like there there's a few games that were like okay this is maybe kind of interesting okay it's released on PC that's good I didn't necessarily find anything that I was super interested in that's exclusively PS3 that hasn't been brought to other platforms but I suppose is good or maybe I wasn't looking hard enough but there was one game that fortunately is also on PC that like okay this kind of looks interesting it's called uh, Lost Dimension, I believe, and it's a like a tactical RPG where you're climbing a tower, and you like you have a big party of characters, and like one of them is a traitor, and so as you climb this tower, you have to try and suss out which one is the traitor in your group and like Wait, mur- this, murder them or something is this, I don't like, know. is this like a dynamic thing like the traitor i don't know so and maybe yeah maybe it is random maybe it is dynamic based on choices you make i'm not entirely sure i but it it looked kind of interesting so and and based on what it sounded like i don't know if it's like meant meant to be something you play through multiple times or how long it is so that's something I might look into in the next couple weeks because it did look pretty interesting. But yeah, so, I don't know. PSA, if you want to buy shit on those platforms, do it now. Yeah, you know, something that just, like, sticks out to me when you're saying this is uh, it seems like it would be a good setup uh, to have an RPG maybe like this where, like, yeah, you're trying... It's like a, like a mystery RPG where mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out like which party member is actually like actually the villain, and then so, with so many part RPGs, yeah, you get a party member that's the villain at some point. Yeah, there's an indie game that is ringing some bells that is a little bit out of genre, but Spy Party. Oh yeah, well, oh that's not an RPG at all, but that's that's, that's a. That's pretty different, but that game is pretty cool. It yeah, I haven't played it, but it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. I've heard they've come a long way from there. Well, has it, it was, been formally released yet? It was yeah. It's been it's been out. in development for like nine years or something insane. It's been yeah. there for a while, so like it might only be in early access right now. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it could still be. It could still be early access. I think it was based off of like an old mod for some first person shooter or something. Hmm. Yeah. Well, online it says the genre is early access, but uh... <laughs> early access the genre. <laughs> yep, it is a early access game still. It was initially shown at the 2009 oh Game Developers Conference, God. and it's still not released. I mean, it. I think it's like... kind of released. Yeah, it but... says here initial release date April twelfth, twenty eighteen. But I still have the genre of early access. So probably it went into early access 2018. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Spy Party's cool. It's more like a... That's a hidden information game. More mm-hmm. like a yeah. werewolf or something like that. A little bit, but yeah. digital. Which is also great. I love werewolf. Um, it's funny that I, I enjoy werewolf and related mafia or whatever. But I, I haven't played Among Us. <laughs> I somehow escaped that. 
I had a brief glorious fling with Among Us that lasted two sessions. <laughs> but the first session was really, really fun. And then the second session, like, people started implementing rules that I thought made the game less fun. And then it's just not fun. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <coughs> uh, but yeah, now something that was coming to my mind, though, is that it seems that, you know, here with a lot of Western indie games and even like larger titles like we've definitely had this big roguelike trend for a while yeah and you uh, say that again yeah uh and i just off the top of my head i don't think i've played like a, a roguelike rpg game well partly it's because it's a bad fit but, but other I, than like oh the or the og the OG, like, fucking NetHack or whatever is, like, literally yeah. an RPG of sorts, I believe. But Like, all these games have RPG elements. All these games you level up, but the, just because of the, nat not, the nature of roguelikes is that you're, there's little, if all, any, persistence. Like, it's it's strange. Like, yeah. yeah I'm, but, I'm, sure that, I'm sure there are, like, a, you know, traditional, like, JRPG kind of roguelike out there that exists. It has to be at this point. Everything's a roguelike. Every... Yeah. Yeah, it just got me thinking. I wonder if there's anything good in that sort of... In that space. Bucket. Yeah. And if there was, and it had this weird hidden villain, dynamic hidden villain that changes each time, that would be like an interesting... Well, maybe Lost Dimension is the game that is that. Maybe, maybe it I'll is that. To, I'll have to actually we, get in and look into it. We don't know find out obviously that's going to be a future podcast <coughs> yeah or it won't <laughs> this is this is the video game book club it's oh, me playing a fucking jrpg yeah. every two weeks oh dear god what has my life become <laughs> <laughs> i love them i swear but the time commitment yeah that's why uh so we we a, a bit of a different thing but like we so i think we all picked up the there was this massive uh, bundle, I think, racial, yeah. racial justice bundle a while back. Yeah, for the uh, Black Lives Matters. Yeah, stuff. and so literally, I think it was like, what, pay what you want, and mm -hmm. then you get like uh, thousands of games or something stupid like that? Yeah, there's like 50 pages with 20 or 25 per page. Yeah. Just games and visual novels and weird fucking project planning software oh yeah there's a project planning <laughs> software in there um, just a ton of stuff yeah but uh i remember that was that was funny like you know video game book club i i, I picked up a few i picked up a few of those and just booted them up booted them up ones that looked interesting there was some weird ass fucking games in that mm -hmm. bundle which i loved they had some of them had like game mechanics i'd never seen before um like game that i can't think of <laughs> um, clearly, but, clearly stuck with you yeah yeah I, I, well most of them weren't actually fleshed out enough to be particularly memorable if i'm being honest yeah um yeah because this was what i've played yeah because this bundle was the thing that was on itch.io which is you know a self-publishing platform that a lot of just like indie projects go on like i bet mo this is just a guess here but i bet most of the games that are were in that bundle were either like 
student games that got flushed out later or game jam games that got flushed out later. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't actually pulled that money from it. So well, anyone who's offended because I didn't talk about their awesome game that they clearly put in that bundle, uh, <laughs> you know, send your mail later. I mean, if I, you know, if I played one game from there a week for the rest of my life, and there's a th- and there's like at least a thousand games in there, would I finish? I don't <laughs> no? know. There's 52 uh... weeks in a year about... So that would be... That's a great question. 52... Yeah, that'd be 20 years before I'd be fucking finished that shit. <laughs> okay, so... The long haul. Yeah. So, uh, it, like, it gets into a paralysis of, ch- of choice thing, where it's just like, where the hell do I even start? The yeah. answer? Random number generator. That's true. I mean, I mostly just, I mostly just, like, went through, I'm like, oh, cool art, good name, I'll look at the page... If the description and video looks cool, I might download it. Um, like, there was one I downloaded that was like a... It was an aerial combat game. Sort of flight sim combat. It was it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. The one thing I... I, keep, I can't remember the name of this stupid game. Um, one of the nice things... One of the, the nice little touches is that you could change the color of your... Uh, your your uh, aircraft and they had different colors that were like callbacks to different other uh, series so like there was <laughs> there was like the Star Fox colors and it was something like you know like <laughs> they named it like Space Fox or something <laughs> uh, very original. something where you're like oh they, yeah they changed so it about 20% weird. I'd say yeah 20% that's right uh, <laughs> yeah Yeah, ultimately, though, the game just wasn't, it just wasn't fleshed out enough and, uh, and stuff to actually keep my interest, uh, very long. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing, like, especially if you're going through and and looking at these, uh, really low budget indie games, you gotta be ready to wade through some things that are not worth playing. And you can't fall into the trap of uh, thinking you need to finish it, because y- 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 yeah, not every game is worth playing. It's kind of like stand-up comedy. Like you know, if you go to a local stand-up show, you know, yeah, you might see the funniest skit you've ever seen, which I swear I saw at a local stand-up show that was five dollars once. <laughs> it's, it's, this guy built a whole set around the fact that like he that his car was full of bees. Because <laughs> he went, he left his car at his mom's house, like, in a rural area for, like, months. And then he went to visit her in the summer. And there was a fucking wasp's nest in his car. Oh, no. And he, and he took that experience and he turned it into, I shit you not, the funniest, probably the funniest stand-up set I've ever seen. Wow. Um, and then also... I've seen stand-up that makes me want to vomit. And I'm like, you need to get off the stage. You are you are actively harming my mental health. <laughs> and it's a bit like that with indie games sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. Like the, 
I think, yeah. Any games like I, you see the heart that goes into so many so many indie games, and it's it's frustrating because like I wish it's just like I wish these sometimes these people just had a budget, <laughs> and because there's there's certain types of games that are more suited to indie development, and some that aren't, like big three D, well just kind of anything in three D, yeah, <laughs> with like high res textures. Mm. Like that—that's that's the bulk of game development costs these days is art assets. So it's it can get a bit oh I don't know stale. Looking at the seventieth pixel art game <laughs> to to the point where like it's almost starting to actively push me away. If I see a game that's just kind of going for a retro pixel art look, but not using modern techniques. Like, um, Noita or Noita or whatever, that does a good job because it plays with lighting super duper well. Yeah. On, on like, all of its pixel art. That, oh, makes, I, it, that makes it look really, really good. Yeah, I love some of the things that some newer games have been doing with pixel art and lighting. Like, it just yeah yeah like some of that stuff is amazing and it all i don't know it 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 makes me wonder like what the next big art style is going to be for games because there was a there was a while we might still be in it where everything's flat shaded which like pisses me off because i i thought about like okay you know what flat shading is kind of awesome maybe maybe i should do something with this like years ago and then everybody started doing it uh it's flat shading do you mean like like they're like it's a 3d thing with you know all like pretty like big sharp polygons yeah, but like... they're just, it's just shaded one flat color oh so kind of like cell shading uh, or... i don't know cell shading cell shading's a bit awkward I'm not entirely sure what cell shading means in a game's context anymore because I swear too many people have used that term. Like I always like Borderlands is cell shading. I'm like, well, right. yeah, Borderlands just has it just has like big, big outlines, big black outlines on everything. Yeah, it has big like, outlines. Is that is that, is that cell shading? I'm not entirely yeah, sure. I would say no. I don't know. But like, if you look up a game like Polybridge, for example, uh, that's kind of the art style I'm talking about. Or Grow Home. Like, okay, that, that, I, I that, see. That, that's kind Flat, of what I mean. yeah, Oh, I see. Yeah, so very, not almost like not even textured. Yeah, it's it well not textured basically. It's just like material color. That's yeah. It. Like, yeah, okay, like that, a, that a, a fair amount of games are are using that art style now, and some of them look pretty damn good with it too. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the next like big art style kind of thing is. Yeah, yeah. it's a good point. I mean, I think that part of the problem now is that a lot of the art styles, the, the like sort of recognizable art styles that we've seen from gaming. Uh, they've come out of the technological limitations, right? 
So oh, obviously <laughs> the cell, or sorry, uh, sprite like um like the sprite based two D like aesthetic. Um, it's still around even though it doesn't need to be, but it it a hundred percent is just that a result of the limitations of the technology of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and even some of the stuff with uh, some of the flat shading I've seen, like, now that I'm thinking about it a bit more, like, there's definitely games that have a bit of a flat shaded aesthetic that's also intentionally low poly. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't look bad because nowadays, like, the way that they're making the low poly look is very intentional uh, as part of the design. And it doesn't look... Even though I swear some of these things look like they might have similar poly counts to something you would see on, say, the N64. I know they don't. Um, a lot of them do. <laughs> maybe they do. But uh, it's, uh, I don't know, something about the way that it's been done yeah. is just so intentional that it doesn't look like it was done as a limitation anymore. Yeah, It's just the style. But, again, I feel like it kind of was it's it's evoking that sort of that low poly aesthetic that uh we primarily had because of limitations at at the time like there well there was a game for the ps1 uh a series called battle arena toshinden it was one of the first games actually really shown for the ps1 and it's a fighting game and the third one had an option where you could turn off and on the textures So you could play it at, like, a texture, like, 30 to maybe sub-30 frames a second game. Or you could play it with no textures at 60 frames a second. My God. It's a fighting game, so obviously you want to play the second one. And, you know, it kind of looks all right. Except for the fact that those old consoles... Those old consoles had problems rendering polygons to where sometimes you could, like, see through the seams and stuff. The polygons sometimes didn't stick together as much as they should yeah clipping and whatnot yeah um but yeah so when i think about like oh the next new art style i kind of think like we're sort of really at a point where like on the latest hardware i mean you can practically obviously with a large budget um you can practically make things that are nearly photorealistic on the graphics cards now and so now without the constraints are we going to see another, like, distinctive video game aesthetic even, like, take root? Maybe. It, like, is... A, are, like, bloom effects and lens flare going to come back? I don't know, because oh, no. that, that's the next thing. <laughs> I, I, Does lens flare I make a like return? They, I mean, they didn't really go away. They just got a lot more subtle. Yeah. To the point where, like, yeah. it actually should look, right? Bloom was always, like, things like Bloom, it was always a technique meant to improve the look to match reality. Um, it's just that at the beginning, the Bloom did not work, and honestly was way over, it was way overdone. Um, but then, honestly, that was actually kind of cool, and so now yeah. sometimes it's done intentionally. And so, when... Uh, and again, that kind of gets to like you know the rendering limitations, right? Like if if Bloom was able to be implemented the way that the original, because like Bloom was in digital animation, um, in like movie making, mm-hmm. uh, without getting so like overblown, and 
I wonder had con had video games been able to render it at like the fidelity that say Pixar uses Bloom like right away, would we have ever seen the like hideously overblown, overbloomed like aesthetic even like kind of take root? <laughs> Maybe not. Then again, I mean, I mean, there's still distinctive new art styles in like the traditional uh, art of like like uh, paintings, like in the traditional painting art world. People still come up with new stuff, even though people have been painting for millennia. Yeah. Um, Good point. Uh, so 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 we'll pro we'll probably see new video game aesthetics, but maybe the pace is going to slow down on. How quickly we see new ones. Yeah, I think that'll be the case. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. I definitely, uh, there's definitely room for like weird stuff too. Uh, actually, the other night I was I was watching a movie uh, called Loving Vincent, and oh yeah, is. I may have also seen that. Yeah, it's like and pseudo animated, right? Yeah. So basically, the way that that, they yes. made it is that uh, each sort of like frame or maybe keyframe or something is hand painted. Is hand painted. Yeah. In the style of Vincent Van Gogh. In, in Vincent Van Gogh's style. Yeah, and it's an incredible movie just visually. Like it is a it is a it is an artistic achievement uh, mm -hmm. that someone managed to make essentially a full motion painting. Like that, that's what yeah. it, you can just pause the movie. You can pause the movie at any frame, and it looks like a masterpiece, like oil painting. Yeah, um, absolutely incredible. Because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and I cannot imagine like the amount of work that went into that. And uh, I, I think it was it was basically almost like rotoscoped but with paint yeah uh, because they used real actors mm -hmm. uh and so obviously they must have taken video and then just used that as the reference and then painted you know uh, frame sequential frames right uh and and that's that's really cool and that's a really interesting concept for a movie um when will we see the first oil painted video game i don't know uh, take note, game developers. That idea is still on the table. That's right. This is what we're bringing to y'all who are listening. Sick original ideas. Origi <laughs> Sick original ideas that are definitely not ripoffs of a movie I saw last night. Damn right. Uh, Plagiarism, sincerest form of flattery. Or yeah. Thievery, whatever. <laughs> See, I, st I stole that phrase and modified it 20% and put it out there. Yeah. Yeah, see, you think you're stealing, but then you're going to fuck it up. But now it's original artwork. Hey, guys, you wouldn't download a car. <sighs> my downloaded car has defects. My, my downloaded car came with fucking Norton. Oh, boy. How my downloaded car is mining Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop. It's wasting my gas. <laughs> no, it's generating gas. Ethereum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, although actually I do I do remember seeing something and uh, maybe I should look this up, but I swear there was someone making a claymation video game where all of the like models were actually generated by like using a virtual scanner on actual claymation or something like that. Oh please, Clay Fighter was doing that on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, Blue suede goo. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So there's 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 certainly there's certainly certainly room for strange kind of um, video game aesthetics. Um, with some of those things, obviously, that's a th those are a lot of work because uh, they're trying to do something kind of strange. Um, but yeah, like in terms of actual uh, more straightforward video game aesthetics, uh, it, it it will be interesting to see if we get anything kind of diff uh, recognizably new. Mm -hmm. All right, I, I think, think I think that's a. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. It's a wrap for the first episode of the Angry Sun Zone. The pilot. And pilot hopefully, hopefully our pilot will not be like... Will be like Deadless and not Icarus. We will not fly into the Angry Sun Zone. Only around it. We will, we will only construct the means to get there. We shall only, we shall only orbit the sun. Yes. All right, that's uh, that's this a wrap. Is, this is Santo signing off. It's Alex. I hope you had a good time in the zone of angry suns today. This is Sean, and happy that you guys are our very first dedicated listeners. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Yeah, wherever, wherever this podcast ends up, whether it be you know, Spotify iTunes, some CD that some guy hands you at a gas station, wherever you might find us. We thank you. Thank you very much.